I've never felt that way and nobody has ever made me feel that way. It's really, really magical. There's really no words for it. Don't wait until the last minute. Just do it months ahead. I always tell people when they ask me, I only gonna stay in Morocco for one day. What should I go? What should I see? I always say, Hello and welcome to the Wing It Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond. Personally, I have been to 50 countries. I've met so many people in my travels that I want to bring on this podcast and get their story on record. I have plenty of tips and stories to share with you as well. Are you a backpacker or a traveller or gap year student or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. Throughout the weeks and months, you'll get many guests and solo episodes where I try to cover all range of subjects within travel. This is a casual and informative travel podcast to inspire you to travel in the future. Do you fancy some bonus content with this episode? Then fear not. If you start to my Patreon today, by going on to www.patreon.com forward slash travel podcast, then you'll find these extra features every week for Monday and Friday's episode. One bonus episode every month, some ad-free content, some early access to episodes, exclusive added travel must have feature on every episode patron shout out some ad hoc bonus episodes you'll get a copy of my digital travel planner which is available on Etsy and you'll get my monthly winging it travel podcast magazine if this takes your fancy you can sign up for £4 $7.50 Canadian $6 US a month and I really thank you for supporting the podcast hope you enjoy the podcast thanks for listening and supporting this and I'll see you soon cheers James let's get into the episode so hello and welcome to this week's episode where I'm joined by Azdeen Amustakim, who is the host of the Destination Morocco podcast. And we're going to talk today about that said podcast and also Morocco and any other personal travel that Azdeen might have. I've not heard too much about Morocco and I've not been, so this is a learning lesson for me. Can't wait to hear more about it. So Azdeen, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, James, for having me. I really, really appreciate the invite. Thank you. Absolutely no worries. So can you tell the listeners, where are you based currently? I am based in Houston, Texas. So just a little outside of Houston area called Richmond. So yeah, that's where I'm based. Okay. I live near someone called Richmond as well. <laughs> Stand <Yes>. the road. <laughs> Richmond's everywhere. Um, okay. And you're originally from Morocco. That is correct. I'm originally from Morocco. I was born and raised in the imperial city of Marrakesh and I came to the US in 95 and I've stayed here since. Okay. And do you miss home? Oh, definitely. Every day. <laughs> Every day. Some people do, don't they? They miss their, their roots and where they come from, right? For sure, yeah. Have you been back recently at all? Yes, the last time that I have been was just before COVID. It was in 19, uh, 2019. That was the last time that I was there with my family. Do you try to go back quite often? Is that the Absolutely, idea? yes. Uh, I have plans to go this year, hopefully before the end of the year. If it doesn't happen, then for sure next year. Okay. And I guess you still have family back in Morocco, right? Yes, we do. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Okay. We're going to come to Morocco as a country um, later on, but we're going to talk first of all about your podcast, Destination okay. Morocco. Absolutely. So I assume this whole podcast is dedicated to your great country, Morocco. It is. Um, it's, it's a little strange. You know, Ted is the producer of, of uh, my podcast and him and I have been talking about a podcast for quite some time and he has been really, really patient with me. And the way that I looked at it at first, you know, just as any company or business, when you have your social media, your TikTok, your Instagram, your Twitter, your LinkedIn, adding a podcast is just an, an additional uh, platform to the business. So 
when we started it, we really did not think that it's going to have the success that it does. It was just a, a complete surprise to all of us. And then we realized that there's really, really a big void in terms of information about Morocco and, and everything that it's related to travel to Morocco. So um, it presented us with a really good opportunity to fill that void. Super excited and I'm looking forward to every episode. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and I, I love your niche. It's just Morocco. Well, not maybe just Morocco, but mostly Morocco. It's quite yeah. also structured and to the point. So we know that if we listen to Destination Morocco, we're going to get Morocco. We're going to hear about Morocco. And it's because it's obviously more than Marrakesh. We're going to hear, I guess, about different parts of Morocco, right? That's absolutely right. It's it's a very niche, if you would. Uh, it's very specific um, in the travel industry. The travel, it's, it's, it's massive. So having something that it's very small and very niche, um, it, it's, it's really important uh, because not a lot of podcasts talk about Morocco the way that we do. I think there are a few of them, but they don't do it the way that we do it. So in our uh, podcast, we try to do tour guides, tour leaders, uh, venues, hotels, riyads. So we give the listeners a really good variety of things. So if they want to plan their own trip, they have all the information in the podcast that they can do that. Now, if they want us to plan it for them, we do that as well. So is that the business side? So you, yes. you plan trips and you create trips in Morocco? Yes. Yeah. Destination Morocco is the business. And basically what we do is we help all travelers that are struggling to create or make or plan any type of trips to Morocco. So we handcraft some personalized itineraries for them so they can enjoy Morocco as a native. So that's what we do. And the podcast is just the, basically is the next step in our journey. And it helps us really define what we do and, uh, and give a lot of examples to the listeners and to the guests. So instead of doing everything themselves, you know, we ask them, this is how you can do it. And these are the things to avoid in terms of saving money, in terms of being on a budget, in terms of the scams to look out for and stuff like that. So that's great because I guess people do get scammed when it goes to countries, right? So it's great that you're giving that advice. Yes. I mean, in Morocco, you'll get scammed and with a smile on their faces. <laughs> <laughs> so, Yeah, my, um, my friend Adam, who came on to talk about Morocco, said that when he first landed into Marrakesh, um, yeah. He's quite well traveled, so he he wouldn't fall for it. But you can see the signs they approach, they give you a smile, you give eye contact, they're straight in. It takes a bit of experience to not get scammed, I think. Oh, absolutely. Adam was absolutely right, and he's very smart. All those signs that you have mentioned, they're, they're spot on. So, uh, And you can tell when somebody's about to scam you. You're absolutely right. Okay. And how did you get to know Ted Cragg, like Ted Cragg, previous guest in this podcast? How did you get to know this guy? Uh, oh, I love Ted. Um, you know, when I was doing my homework um, about launching a podcast, this is back in January 2021. And, you know, there's a lot of information, really good information on Facebook and groups and so forth. So I reached out to this gentleman. He's really, really good. I've been following him for months. And then he said to me, you know what? I do music podcasts and I'm not really a good fit for you. However, I have a friend of mine. I believe you guys will be a really good fit. So that's how I really met Ted. And it's been just incredible. I love Ted. I mean, he's without him, there's no podcast, to be honest with you. Right. Okay. And if I if I was to go to anyone to help me produce this podcast, it would be Ted. So absolutely. He, he knows that. He probably is thinking, oh, when's that going to happen? I'm like, Ted, just bear with me. I'm, I'm working on it. But yeah, he's a great <laughs> guy and he was a great guest. And we 
got to talk about Canada on this podcast, yes. which he obviously lives in Quebec. I think he lives in now, right? So yes, yes. Um, that's great to hear. Okay, the idea of the podcast, get people to know and learn about Morocco and then hopefully come to you with, hey, I want to book a trip. How can I do it? Yes, and basically that's exactly right. So when somebody reaches out to us, um, th- this is this is the steps that we take when we get a, a either a phone call or an email or a text. Uh, we set up some time, you know, discovery call, just to uh, to listen to the client what they want and how long they're going to be traveling for, and also the cities they want to visit and how many days they want to stay in, in each city, and also the activities that they would like to do. They, they, they want to do a camera ride. They want to do a cooking class. They want to do some trekking. So we gather all kind of information from them. And then if, you know, um, if they decide to hire us, that's when we build itinerary for them. Uh, to build itinerary takes us, I would say, about an average of five days, uh, depending if it's a seven-day, eight-day, 15, 21. So it can take some time because everything is built in Morocco. Then I do the final touches here in the U.S., that's when I add the images, the videos, and it looks really, really good afterwards. Then we submit it to the client. And if they want to make any changes, they can. Then at the end, after all the changes, then they approve it. So when they approve the itinerary, it becomes a proposal. And then we finalize everything. We book the hotels, we book the riads, we finalize the transportation, the tour leader, the tour guides, everything. So from that point, it's it's completely booked. It's just a matter of, you know, putting the deposit or the payment and, and that's it. That's the whole process. And how did you come to start this process? Why, why did you start it? Uh, that's a really good question, James. You know, I'm a foreigner. My, my wife is a foreigner. We are both neighbors back home. And, you know, I've been in the U.S. almost 30 years and I travel back and forth and back and forth. When you start to get old, you know, the travel experience changes. Mm. For me, it doesn't get easier. It actually gets more difficult with saying goodbyes. And that's that's my least favorite thing about going to Morocco is saying goodbyes to family and friends. And then uh, me and my wife, Khadija, we said, you know what? Um, Imran was born in, in 2015 and he's an American, but he needs to know his roots. Mm. So we decided to create Destination Morocco because of him, because we want him to be connected to the U.S. because it is his country and also connected to his roots. So to my surprise, he loves Morocco. I mean, he loves doing podcasts as well. So if I bring him in, he, he will not be quiet. He'll talk about Destination Morocco <laughs> until tomorrow. I swear to you, James. So we really did that because we wanted him to to get in touch with his roots and stay. And, you know, um, as he gets old, he's going to, you know, just not really care that much about it. But afterwards, he's going to realize that, you know, what we're doing now for him, it's it's really precious and he's going to appreciate it afterwards. Also when he has his own kids as well. So, And can he speak Arabic as well? Yeah, he does speak it. Okay. Um, I would say 90% fluent, but he has he has an accent and his accent is just funny. So his mom, <laughs> makes, you know, she makes fun of him all the time. Yeah, but he has a really cute accent. Yeah, yeah. Is it a mix of Texan and Moroccan Arabic? Is it is it that mix? Yes, I mean he's <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is true. Yes, yeah. I can't even imagine what that sounds like, but yeah, it sounds funny. Okay, and do you get many people who come to you who are just Americans, or do you get people from worldwide who hey hey look I want to go to Morocco? Sort of That's a, a really good question, James. You know when I when we did the podcast at first, I was really close minded in a way because. I thought the audience is going to be just from the U.S., but to my surprise, 
it's we had guests from you know New Zealand, you know from Europe, from Australia. So it's really really kind of a mixture of guests from all over, you know, including the US. So we 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 had some guests in Canada. Then we have some that are going to be traveling next month as well from Canada. So it's a it's really diverse in terms of the clients um, and their locations as well in countries. Fantastic. That's awesome. And do you also use the same contacts in Morocco for your trips? So that the guides and the, yes, the yes. hotels and the yes. transport? The, um, that's, that's a good question. The, the transport, yes. The hotels, basically, when we do that discovery call with the client, that's when we ask, you know, what type of places they want to stay. Mm. You know, yeah. if if it's a couple, if it's four people, six people, we always recommend Riyadh because of the experience. It's it's a authentic Moroccan experience. But if it's a little bit larger of a group, mid-size, we always recommend the hotels because the hotels, they'll have more availability versus the Riyadh. And also, it's kind of strange since the, the travel to Morocco has reopened. We normally had a busy season in May, April, um, March, April, and May, but now it seems like the whole year is a busy season. I mean, mm-hmm. we are almost you know, halfway through September and it's supposed to start to get quite down, but it really is not. It's still kind of busy in terms of hotels, in terms of riyadhs, in terms of transportation as well. So we have everything set up back home. Uh, we have also an extension of Destination Morocco in Morocco as well. Um, and the GM is Sam and, and he takes care of everything. So, and he works close with all the travelers. So he gets assigned to, to each client and it's been really fun. Incredible, yeah. Yeah, I think this year it will stay busy. I think people are just catching up, right, with not traveling last year. I oh, think um, most definitely, yes. This is a unique yes. year. I think you, you will have high seasons probably next year, but this year is just a one off because yeah. even the booking any travel, it's like, wow, the price is expensive. There's yeah. airport problems with baggage and staff, right? Yes. So, yes. yeah, you'll probably be busy for the rest of the year, which is great. Oh, definitely, yes. I mean, uh, I, I completely agree. I mean, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at staying busy until you know um december and also the last of two weeks of december because of christmas because of the new year it's it's a it's a prime time in morocco it's really really expensive and it's very busy so if you want to if you're traveling to morocco during the last two weeks of december it's really good to plan ahead of time okay otherwise yeah because a lot of hotels did have restrictions that you have to book three nights instead of one night, for example, in Marrakesh, Casablanca, Fest and stuff like that. So you really have to plan ahead of time. Why is that a busy time in Morocco? Is it Christmas or is it just because of something else? I wouldn't say it's because of Christmas, but it has a little bit to do with it, but it's more New Year's Eve than Christmas. Okay. Because even since I was a kid, uh, New Year's Eve in Morocco is is huge. I mean, I remember going to clubs, you know, you, you pay a triple. You know, oh, wow. just in clubs. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 really really busy. So for them, they just want to capitalize on that busyness of that time uh, and take advantage. So that's the reason why. So and and the thing is, it's not one one hotel or Riyadh that it's doing it. It's across the board. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay. And for Morocco, when is the best time to go in terms of the year? I would say the best time, really, uh, from what I have seen recently throughout the year except july and august because that's oh, okay. that, that's that's the hardest and it's uh it gets really really uncomfortable if you would traveling um because it's busy everywhere you go um, right i mean i have gone in summer a lot of moroccans you know from europe the you know the us they go during summertime because of the kids school but if you're not tied up with the kids that you have to go in in summertime just avoid it 
Um, I've been in April. I loved it. I've been in March. I've been in September, October. Yeah, weather is very nice. It's not as crowded. Okay, do you remember a few years ago when Morocco applied for the World Cup? Yes. They should have got it. It was, it was a travesty <laughs> not to get it. But hey, I think it went to US, I think, right? In Canada and Mexico? Yes, yes. Yeah, it would, yes, exactly, yeah. Like, that would have been held, well, we think, probably in the summer, right? So July and August, that would July definitely yes. would have been the time. So that would have been quite interesting. I would say, for me, because I live in Houston, and the US got it. So, you know, I, I'm dual citizen. So, yeah, you know, okay. one country. So I'm, <laughs> I feel very fortunate. But I'm very fortunate also because Houston is hosting some of those games. Of course. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So which is for me, it's a win-win situation. I personally believe you can't really compete with the US, with Canada and Mexico in terms of the World Cup. Let's just face it. I mean, in Houston, we have hosted Super Bowl like in 2017. We yeah. do, you know, basketball, we do all-star, all kind of big events and they do it really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opinion, for sure, hands down better than Morocco, but it's just being honest. So I think Morocco is going to fight again and he's going to see if they can house it. I think Morocco, Spain and Portugal, I think they have a better chance then. And I think they should get it. So we'll see how that plays out. But for the 2026, um, I think the FIFA, they made the right decision, giving it to the US, Mexico and Canada. Okay. Right, yeah. I understand from the uh, structural point of view that all the stadiums are already there. And yeah, I did get it. Um, It's weird nowadays that countries apply with each other. I don't don't know what the thinking is behind there. I don't know. But back in the day, it used to be one country, right? Yes, it used to be one country. France 98 and all this sort of stuff. But hey. Well, I think it's for some countries, it's it's a good opportunity, but also they may not have, just like you said, the, 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 the structure to host it all by themselves. And it's also good in a way having two or three different countries doing it, you know, just to split the, the money, uh, mm. which is good. So, And just back to your podcast, have you seen an increase in business because of your podcast? Oh, most definitely. Yes. That's I great. mean, you know, I, I get a lot of DMs. I get a lot of calls. I get a lot of messages, but people say, hey, I'm going to Morocco next two days. I'm going to be in Marrakech. Uh, what should I do? What should I look for? So then I get, you know, messages like, hey, I went to Morocco and your podcast helped me so much, saving time and money because of the scam episode. And the scam episode is, it's, it's a really, really popular episode. And uh, I do agree. It saves a lot of clients time and money. So the, a lot of people did not book with us, but they still went to Morocco, which is amazing. So then also we got a lot of people that booked with us because of that. And they just want us to do everything for them from A to Z. They don't want to worry about anything. So they just want to go to Morocco and be pampered. And that's exactly what we do for them. That's awesome. Which episode is the scam episode? I believe it's episode number four. Four. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Check that out, guys. I I haven't checked much of your podcast out yet. So it's on my list. Uh, because I do want to go to Morocco. So it's great to hear that you cover, <laughs> you cover all bases from scams you, to best places to go and food and drink. I was going to ask you. about your about your episodes. You, you do get guests on to come on to your episode. So yes. what's the thinking there? The thinking is to uh, to share their own experience because, um, you know, our listeners, they're from different parts of the world. I mean, they're everywhere. And I don't want them just to hear my point of view or our point of view as Moroccans. It brings a lot more value if they hear it from somebody who has been to Morocco, whether with us or with the, without us, they went by themselves, or they went with a, another tour company. They can express everything that they have felt, enjoyed and the, the good things and the bad things without holding anything back. Um, and the audience really, really likes that. 
they really like it because they, it's not a biased opinion. It's very straightforward and honest opinion. So, and I think that's why the podcast is is popular because of that. We don't take any sides. We talk about the good. We talk about the bad. And uh, but we have to be honest. So the the audience really appreciate the different views and values and experiences from different you know uh, travelers to Morocco. So and do you post every week or every two weeks? Every two weeks. Every right? two weeks. Um, the podcast goes live uh, at three a.m. Central Time on the first and the fifteenth of the month. Now, if you have signed to our newsletter, uh, you get it on your email. I would say a few hours before. Oh, okay. Got it. Nice. And have you found anyone else doing the same thing in the US, for example, doing like anything specifically for Morocco, or are you kind of alone over there doing Morocco stuff? I would say I'm not aware of anybody else in the US that is doing it, but I know there's uh, other podcasts about Morocco. But the funny thing, I don't even want to know. Uh, the reason is because it's not that I'm not interested, but I don't want anybody to influence me from outside of what me and Ted have created and built and mm. worked on for quite some time. So if this is working for us, I want to keep it the way it is, you know, in terms of the structure, in terms of the guests, you know, season two, obviously it's going to be different. We have some, some amazing things that we're working on for next season, but this, I like it the way it is. Um, you know, we're focused hundred percent on Morocco and everything we do is a hundred percent catered to the client's experience. Um, you know, so, and I really like it that way. Okay. And do you, no other companies that do tours to Morocco because if oh, I yes. think off the top of my head, I mean, like maybe G Adventures might do a tour, maybe Intrepid yes. Travel. I'm not sure, but yes, um, oh, there's a lot of really amazing companies that do a lot of tours to Morocco. You know, there's uh, Arbakan bin Kent. In terms of the luxury, there's uh, Kensington Tours. I okay. love them. Uh, then there's um, Alexander Robert. So those are tours the luxury, the high end of the tours, and mm. and the difference really to explain the difference between luxury or a high luxury versus what we do is really just the the venues where you're staying yeah. so for me um when we build an item already most of the time we do something that it's less than a hundred dollars because we yeah. know you're going to be outside doing things throughout the day i mean we'll pick you up at eight nine in the morning then you get to bed around 10 p.m mm. so mm. for me it's more justifiable to save you know, a few hundred dollars and go to, I mean, the, the, the venues that we pick, they're not bad at all. They're really, really, really good, mm. but it's not about the price, but it's the value. They, they're, yes. they bring a lot of value. So, you know, for me, I don't want to pay 500, 400, $600 for a few hours that I'm going to go to sleep, you know? So <laughs> yeah. it makes more sense to me to pay 75 bucks, hundred bucks, sometimes even, you know, 120, but I, I want to stay within that budget because when you're doing a 10 day tour, you know, that it, it can add up. The cost can really add up. If you look at our um, structure, we don't really charge a lot of money for the tours. We're right in the middle. We're not the top. We're not the bottom. We're right in the middle. But if you look at the value that we bring to the client, it's hands down we're better than anybody else. Okay. So Because the, the, the tours that we do, they're really fully loaded tours. So yes. you almost don't have to pay anything out of pocket. It's almost all inclusive. You have a few lunches here and, and, you know, that's what you pay for. So, uh, but everything else is taken care of for you. Okay. And in terms of group size, do you range from solo to bigger groups? Thank you for the question. It's really incredible, but I'm going to back up and then, then answer the question. When we started, this is normally how we have done it pre-COVID. For yeah. any private tour, we require two people. Yeah. Because private tour, it, it is, it's the most expensive. 
but you have the car, the driver, and everybody catering to you. It's just you by yourself, a couple, a family, you know. So that's normally how we do them. And then we realized we got a request. Actually, uh, we have one of the clients. She's she's leaving next month, and she just wanted to do the tour by herself. You know, uh, mm. not with a friend. And you know, we made it happen. And we're very grateful she has chose us. So we do. We can do the minimum of one, if it's yeah. even if it's a private, because it. We have said no many times in the past, but we, now we are saying yes. Now, in terms of the groups, I like a group that it's no more than ten, maximum twelve people. Okay. And the reason is because you want to give them that still that authentic experience and it's focused. When mm-hmm. you have a large group, I mean, legally in Morocco, you have to split the group into two and you have to get two tour guides and so forth and so forth. Okay. But it's different. So for me, um, eight, 10, maximum 12, those are the, the small groups that I really like and they're really popular. The reason um, one person can book a ticket or two people or four or six. And also, it's like you're traveling by yourself, but with the comfort of a group, with the safety of a group. So you can be a solo traveler, um, you know, travel as a small group, and and you know, you don't have to worry about anything else, you know. So, which is really good. Yeah, that's awesome. That's my next question. Can you just come alone, come along as a solo person? Hey, look, I want to be part of a group versus me, so you can then get these guys onto bigger groups, right? Absolutely. That's um, awesome. And this is this is something that we. We worked on for some time, and again, because of the feedback of the listeners, the the, the guests, and, and and the podcast, there's a lot of solo travelers um, that they don't want to go by themselves mm-hmm. because it's a new country, it's a third world country. They don't know what to expect. They don't want to be bothered. They don't want to be scammed. They don't want to be taken advantage of. So the small groups really is an amazing fit for all those travelers. So starting next year, what we're going to be doing is every month. We're going to have a small organized group to Morocco. Um, it's going to be for eight days. We're going to have one to the north side of Morocco, and then we're going to have one to the south side of Morocco. So people can choose they want to do the south ex- south experience or they want to do the north experience. They can do both if they want to or choose to do one this month and, and another one some other time. So that's something new that we're going to be doing for 2023. Um, and also in terms of the price, it is the cheapest way to travel to Morocco. Uh, it's a lot cheaper than than a private tour. So mm-hmm. yeah, everybody really benefits. So because even when a group, you have a group, obviously um, when you're booking at a hotel or a yard, you get a discount. So all those discounts that we get, we just, you know, uh, they go to the clients. Yeah, that's great. Because I think a lot of people do love those group type of tours. Yeah. I've not done too many. I just sort of arrive and, and wing it really, hence the title of the, the podcast. But I do see the value because I've done it a few times and you sort of meet all randomly, yes. get together, you achieve a, you know, an eight day tour and you'll become friends and that's great. It's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. And what is coming up for the podcast? You mentioned season two. So yes. can you tell maybe the listeners what's coming up? Oh, season two. Um, this is just earlier. We talked about the last time that I've been to Morocco, which is 2019. So what I'm planning to do for season two is have some podcast episodes being recorded in Morocco. Um, And the reason is because when I do the podcast with the guests from Morocco, technology is always challenging. You know, we're very blessed in the US, you know, we have, you know, fast internet and good equipment in Morocco. It's not, it's, it's, it's different. So the internet is still a little bit slow. So I'm going to do interviews on the spot. I want to do 
interviews with restaurants, with riads, with the hotels in the middle of Jam Al-Fana Square, you know, with the noise and everything. So that's, I want to have something a little bit different to us. You know, it's, it's, it, nobody else is doing it, um, but it's just us. Then we can go maybe to, to other villages and, and do some podcasts in different villages. So, um, and also Ted, you know, this is, we, we talked about it, me and Ted, and, and he was asking me, he said, hey, the numbers are looking really, really good. You know, now we're doing two episodes. It's time for you to think about doing one episode a week. Um, personally, one episode a week, it's, it's really difficult for me, yep. um, to be honest, because I, you know, whoever is doing one episode a week, I mean, my hat's off to you. It's, it's, it's a lot of work. It's really, really a lot of work. So I'm not sure if I'm ready to do that or not, but if we plan it right, we might be able to do it. But for now, this is what I want to do. I want to go to Morocco for, you know, a month or so and do those podcast episodes and also have some groups with me that I'm traveling through, you know, Morocco with them as well and, and have podcasts throughout, you know, episodes with, with, with the guests uh, traveling with me in the group. Yeah. So you would record and release almost yes. in real time. Yes. yes. Do you know what? That's, that's funny you say that. That's my aim. And I, sp- I spoke to Ted about it actually on my podcast. I don't, oh, wow. think, I, I don't think we talked about it on recording or off the recording. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but basically the essential thing is you're right. There's not yeah. many people who are recording podcasts on a trip and releasing it in real time. Yes. So you can say, well, today or yesterday, I went here. It was great. Yes. We done this. And it, it could be short, right? It doesn't have to be too long. Oh, gold. absolutely. Yes. Um, yeah. um, I, I trialed this out this year in Spain and it's been my best month yet. So obviously oh, wow. it works. It, yeah. it clearly people love the short. Okay. Yes. You're doing this this day. You've done that 10 minute, 50 minute episode. Brilliant. So yes. you know, I don't want to give the, the idea away too much, but I think we're on, <laughs> we're on to a good thing there. I think. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. So I think the only thing I worry about is, is logistics, right? So yes, yes. Um, that's going to um, be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge. Definitely. And I, I already spoke with Ted and about the equipment and, and so forth. And, and he knows exactly what I need to have with me um, to make it really easy and, and get it done. So, and would you interview, so this is a good question, actually, would you interview someone who doesn't speak English so you could translate? Is that something well, you thought about? I did actually thought about it. And um, there's, there's a different way of doing it. I interview somebody with them who speaks English. If not, I always have somebody with me. Um, because especially when we go to the villages, the villages, yeah. they speak Berber. Um, I speak it probably 85%. And then my team, I would say 90% are Berbers. So we all speak the same language. I mean, when I do a podcast and when I travel through the villages and even the cities and stuff, I don't, I always have somebody with me. I don't really see it as a challenge, but it's a, it's an opportunity. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a huge opportunity. You're right. Yes. The backup is, and I've thought about this as well. You can always record offline. If you've got no signal, right? Yes. We all have apps these days on the phone, on the laptop, where you can just record with a microphone and it's there locally, right? So when you Absolutely. get internet, maybe next day, you can then upload it quickly. So there's That's always right. an opportunity. Don't, you know, people listen and they think, oh, I, I want to do that. You can, you just need to do it offline if you've got no internet. But if you've got internet, great. You go and yes. record it, release it there and then. And yeah. Yeah, there's a magic to that, I think. And oh, absolutely. I can't wait to hear how it's going to sound for your podcast because I, oh, I, I don't think there's a podcast doing it. I haven't seen many. <laughs> Well, um, like live, like there and then yeah. live. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very challenging. And, and the funny part is a few months ago, Ted, he sent me a link to, to a podcast. I think the gentleman's from Australia, I forgot his name, and he does a podcast in Paris. He moved to Paris for a job yeah. and he stayed in Paris and he, he's doing a podcast. I think it's, his podcast is the Earful Tower. 
you know, instead of okay. Eiffel, it's it's yeah. an ear. <laughs> yeah. So and and that's what he does, and it's just it's incredible. So and that's really how I got the idea, me and Ted, uh, of something new, exciting for the audience uh, to listen to. Yeah, and you exactly think the same as me. Where I just thought, well, there's a period of time like you've done where you interview guests, like in your studio, wherever you interview, right? That's great, but I think you need to evolve somewhere. And of the course. classic thing for us is, well, why not go and talk to someone local in a country and travel at the same time? That's got to yeah. be one of the next steps, surely. Absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah, it's exciting times. I'm, I'm really excited yeah. about how both of us can get that next step. The, the reason it's exciting because it's, it's unknown. Like, who on earth yes. are we going to meet? Are we going to talk to? What are they going to say? Like, is it going to be good? Oh, exciting? I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's going to be such an unknown time. Yeah. Most definitely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Okay. And where can people find your business to inquire about a trip? If they want to find me, the best way is our website or anywhere they listen to their podcast. It's Destination Morocco Podcast. It's in all the platforms, um, you know, Google, Spotify, uh, Amazon, all the major iHeart. Uh, so anywhere they listen to their podcast, they can find ours, uh, Destination Morocco Podcast. And from there, they can, you know, uh, reach out to us, you know, text, um, email, call, uh, and we'd love to help. Uh, we'd love to be involved and, and answer any questions that any my, anyone might have. So That's awesome. So listeners can listen to your podcast, get some ideas, and then contact you to, hey, hey, look, I want to go away in, I don't know, November. Can you help yes, me out? Absolutely. Absolutely, James. That's brilliant. So I actually want to move on to Morocco as a place. Okay. Maybe, maybe to whet some people's appetite, like, oh, but oh, what sure. is in Morocco? So we all know Marrakesh. Yeah. So we, we know about Marrakesh. What can you tell us maybe some things at Marrakesh that we don't know? Because we kind of read a lot about it because it's where people land and they tend to go, right? Yes. Marrakesh, um, I was born and raised in Marrakesh back in 1972. So it's, it is my home. And if you, Marrakesh has a weird feeling for me. Now Houston does as well. So it doesn't matter anywhere I go. When I go back to Marrakesh, I feel whole. I feel complete. Mm -hmm. um, and this really applies to a lot of people or my friends that are from Marrakesh. So um, Marrakesh is also called the Red City. And also the, the name Marrakesh uh, originated from Morkosh. Morkosh uh, means when you go through Marrakesh, just move slowly and kind of hidden because the people from Marrakesh, they, they observe the smallest details. So um, I don't have really a name for it in English, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they, they pay attention to a lot of details. You know, they say, hey, you know, your shirt is unbuttoned. Oh, hey, you know, you have something dirty on your clothes and stuff like that. So that's really <laughs> what it means, um, Marrakesh. Uh, when I grew up in Marrakesh, it was a small city. Casablanca definitely always got the, the attention yeah. because it's the largest city. It's very modern, very nice. Uh, so Marrakesh started to grow, I would say, in the mid-90s. Oh. And then after the, the Hassan II, the king passed away, uh, the new king, the current king, Mohammed VI, uh, he did something amazing, incredible. And it led to the explosion of Marrakesh, the tourism in Marrakesh, the real estate in Marrakesh, everything changed. That was the turning point for Marrakesh because um, before, let's say if you want to buy a hotel, you want to buy a Riyadh property, you always have to have a Moroccan citizen as a partner. Mm -hmm. So the new king changed it and 
Now, if you want to buy any property, you can buy it and own it 100% and it's yours. You don't need a Moroccan citizen to be a partner uh, with you in that business. Uh, so the first thing that we realized as you know, people from Marrakesh or Moroccans, that the Riyads, uh, the tourists, or I would say the foreigners, or I would say the French, especially the French, because uh, Morocco is extremely popular amongst the French people. So what they, what they start doing is they start buying Riyads. But we did not get it as locals when that first happened. You know, it's mm-hmm. a Riyadh. They'll go for 30,000, you know, 40,000 at that time. They went up to the millions. People are wow. buying them in the millions, not in the local currency, in, in, the, in, in the U.S. dollars. So they became really, really popular and expensive. By then, the locals had no idea what just hit them. So. Right. And what happened, Marrakesh became really expensive for the locals. So the government tried to do something, build like an outside small city where the locals can go live, and they start moving people to that small city. But that project really failed because it did not work out. So Marrakesh became kind of expensive uh, for the locals. It still is expensive for the locals. And also, um, the people who bought those areas, they have their own connection in Europe. They have their own you know, travel agencies and so forth. So the second impact felt by the hotels because everybody now are traveling or staying at Riyadh, just like the equivalent to be uh, Airbnb when mm-hmm. they just came out versus the hotels. So this happened, I would say, in the early 2000s in Marrakesh and, and everywhere, you know, uh, where the Riyadhs are. So um, they felt the impact, the negative impact of it. Now, those businesses still exist. Those, you know, uh, foreigners and owners, they still exist. They still do their business, but now it's it's just like there's a place for it. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's like for example, when Uber face first came out, everybody was you know it's not good, it's not good. But then now it's everybody's okay with it because it serves a purpose for the clients. It's uh, you know on demand transportation. So the same thing, the Riyadhs became a lot more popular. Now everybody's at peace and and and. Everybody's good and the hotels, they serve a purpose and the Riyadh serve a purpose as well. Also in Marrakesh, uh, it has a lot of UNESCO World Heritage Sites, the Square of Jamalfna, the, uh, the the mosque, Kutubiyah Mosque. And there's a lot of beautiful things to do and see in Marrakesh. You know, the, the Majorel Garden, the YSL, the uh, artist, the designer. Um, back in the 60s, he, uh, he was working, he was the right-hand man for Dior, uh, the designer. And he went to Marrakesh because he had some issues and uh, at work and you know to everybody's surprise he fell in love with Marrakesh and he stayed and that's where he lived until he passed away a few years ago and then what he did is there was a garden I passed by it throughout my childhood going from one neighborhood to another but I've, I've never seen it from the inside it's really strange he bought the garden it looks incredible if you have not been it's really really amazing then they have a museum then it's just a it's really, really beautiful. So in Marrakesh, there's so many things to see and so many things to do. And also the one thing that I would um, you know, emphasize on is the square, Jam Elfna Square. Mm. The square in the morning is totally different than at night. If, if you go into the, to the souk or to the market to shop, it's better to do it in, in you know, I would say 10 in the morning, 11, 12, because the square is really empty. Now, at around 5 p.m., everybody starts to set up for the square. And that's when it starts to become alive. It's kind of strange. And the square, you have to see the sunset. And the best way to see the sunset in, in the square, Jamal Fna Square, is to stay uh, you know, uh, atop 
cafe, you know, my favorite place, I would say, you know, Cafe France, that's, you know, was popular when I was a kid, it's still popular. And that's where I normally go. And if you go, you're not going to be able to sit right away. You're going to have to wait, you know, it depends maybe 45 minutes or an hour or so. Oh, wow. So as soon as you see an empty table, just sit on it. Somebody will come, they'll serve you a coffee or tea or a beverage. And that's one of the best ways to see the sunset in the Jamal Fina Square. Now, if you want to eat the food, just wait until seven o'clock, you know, that smoke will start inviting you to those, you know, you know, shawarma or skewers, beef skewers, chicken and, and all the amazing food. So um, I absolutely recommend experiencing the food at the square. It's so delicious. It's really, really good nowadays versus, you know, when we grew up. So um, if you, if you have, I would say dinner at the square, anywhere you sit, it should not cost you an arm and a leg. It should be less than $2 US dollars. You know, if, if you spend five bucks, then that means that, you know, you know, you have eaten quite a bit. So, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, Marrakesh is a must, it's a, it's a must see. It's a stop. Any tour you do in in Morocco, Marrakesh, you have to stop in Marrakesh. There are a lot of things to see and do in Marrakesh, you know, so, yeah. How long would you spend in Marrakesh as a, a right amount of time? The right amount of time for me, I would say three days. Because what you can do day one, for example, you can stay more than that. But for me, you do day one, then you do the square, then you do the museums. You know, um, you know, there's there's a lot of museums to see. There's a lot of palaces to see. There's a lot of things to see. So in one day, it's going to take you maybe a day and a half to do it. Then the the other half a day, I would say go to Agafai, which is about an hour drive for Marrakesh and just set up a nice, you know, romantic, nice, quiet dinner. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's it's a desert-like area, uh, and you can do the camel ride, you can do the quad, or you can just do you know if it's you and your wife, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, just do romantic uh, dinner, uh, really really nice as well. Then you come back to Marrakesh and, and you um, spend the night at your hotel or Riyadh. Um, the second day, I would say you could do a day trip. You know, for example, to Essaouira. Um, it's a couple hours drive. Um, you can experience. The, the fish market, which is a must-see in a sour. Then you can do a little bit of the Jewish quarter in a sour. Then you can, you know, just do a little bit of sightseeing. Um, I think a sour one day is is perfect, you know, complete day from, you know, 10 a.m., for example, until, you know, 7 or 8 p.m., you're good. So mm-hmm. then the third day, I would say um, you can just do, for example, a spa, a spa day, a massage, you know, um, you know, just relax. Um, some really nice spots that you can you can do that. You can do it at a hotel or you can do it just at an independent uh, spa or hammam, Moroccan hammam. Awesome. And where would you say, here's a question for you, in Marrakesh, as you're from there, so looking forward to the answer, where's the best place to go and get a coffee? Uh, oh, that's a good question. They have Starbucks. but No, uh, it's, <laughs> no, it's, no, no. It's, 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 uh, it's, I would not recommend it. Travesty. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, for me, it's, it's going to sound weird, but this is the... the the reality of Morocco. My neighborhood is the best place to have coffee because yeah. the waiters, they know me. Um, of course, I, I, you know, I take care of them. They take care of me um, because the coffee, they can easily cheat you out of the coffee. You know, they can not, you know, they can, instead of one serving, they'll do two servings and stuff like that. But most of the coffees, I would say any local coffee shop is good. Anywhere you see a lot of people sitting, it's good. The only difference that you're going to see is the price. The yeah. coffee is going to be, it's it's really good in most places. Uh, so my neighborhood, in my opinion, is the best place for me to get the coffee because, um, you know, they know me. 
Uh, but if I go somewhere else, it's still a really good coffee. But instead of me paying, for example, 20, 20 cents or you know, 50 cents, I'm paying $2, $3 for it. Yeah. Fair. And is it okay or is it recommended to maybe wander around random streets, you know, outside of the main square? Can you sort of wander around and maybe find some local neighborhoods? Well, I would not recommend it. Okay. Um, if you look at the square itself, in the surrounding areas of the square, there's about 700 hotels and riyadhs. Yeah. So it's in some areas, cars do not, you know, they don't, you can't go with cars. It's just walking. So um, if you wander by yourself, you can, but you're putting yourself in a situation where you can be scammed. Scammed. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, that's one of the perfect spots anywhere in, in the square. They can, you know, they can get you lost. Uh, pretending to help you and then they'll scam you afterwards mm -hmm. so just be careful um, you know and also nowadays with gps it's much easier because of technology not really to get you know lost or get scammed so just just be careful yeah okay cool that's awesome at marrakesh and obviously the capital is rabat right yes that is correct james yes and i don't think many people would know that they probably think it's marrakesh or even casablanca yes um so I was going to go to Rabat and Casablanca because I just know the names. Yes. Have you been to both of those places as well? Yes, I have. Um, in, in Morocco, uh, there are dynasties and each dynasty has chosen a city to be its capital. Mm -hmm. uh, Marrakesh, the, the imperial cities are four. Um, Marrakesh is one of them. Rabat is also one of them. It, it is now the capital city for the Alawite dynasty. And then before that, it was Fez yeah, until Fez, 1912. Yeah. And then before that, it was Meknes. So those are the four imperial cities of Morocco. And they're all different. Each city in Morocco is different from the one next to it in terms oh. of culture, in terms of tradition, in terms of language, in terms of accents. You know, yeah. here in the US, when you hear somebody speak, they say, oh, you have a New York accent, you have a Boston accent, you have a Southern accent. But to me, I can't really tell the difference because it's all it all sounds to me the same. Yeah. So in Morocco, when somebody speaks, I can tell if they are from Fez, from Casablanca, from Rabat, from Marrakesh. And, and people, you know, throughout Morocco, they make fun of us, you know, people from Marrakesh because the way that we speak, we kind of, you know, kind of, we sound kind of lazy a little bit because okay. we stretch the letters. So <laughs> but it's funny. Yes. So back to your question, Casablanca is the biggest. Rabat is, it's the capital. And you can tell that it is the capital because it has that feel. I love Rabat. I love the nightlife in Rabat. I love the bars in Rabat, the restaurants in Rabat. It's really clean, very nice, uh, very sophisticated, but it's not as busy and packed as Casablanca. Casablanca... Mm. The locals, they love to hang out, you know, in the Cornish and the beach at nighttime. Um, you know, they love to go to, to, to local bars and, and, you know, clubs and singing and stuff like that. Not necessarily clubs like the U.S. They, they have them as well, but it's, they're more of uh, live music in Casablanca more than any other city that I have noticed. So, um, and that's, those are the difference between Casablanca and Rabat. So both amazing cities. I love Rabat. Casablanca, the nightlife in Casablanca uh, is incredible. Yeah, and I guess Casablanca's got that sort of beach, yes. sort of sea vibe, right? Yeah. Maybe, I don't know if it's yes. more chilled, but they've got that sort of sea air coming in. You can probably go yes. laid by a beach for yes. an afternoon or something, right? Yeah, Robert also does, but Casablanca because it's 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 a big city. Yeah, definitely. Okay, and do you also include those cities in your itineraries as well? 
Well, the itineraries we do, they are personalized. So if, if, okay. if the client yeah. wants to visit Casablanca, Robot, it's it's a must. Uh, I would say if they're doing the north side of Morocco, yes, the tour starts from Casablanca, then it goes to Robot. The tour normally in Casablanca, it should take, I would say, about a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Then there's about 45 minutes from Casablanca to Robot. And then the sightseeing uh, in terms of Robot should take, I would say, no more than one hour. Then you go out to the north side, you know, uh, faster Tangier and so forth. Yeah, you continue for your tour. Yeah, if you do the north side, if you do the south side, then you don't get to see really Casablanca. I mean, if you land in Casablanca, we pick you up, we start the tour from Marrakech. So, and then we go south. But the thing is, Marrakech is right in the middle. So Marrakech is always included, whether it's a north side or a south side. So it's, <laughs> a, it's a good spot. So, and of course, we have to mention Fez because obviously oh, people know oh that for the hats, goodness, right? Yes. Um, oh my gosh, yes. I'm sure there's more to Fez than that, but it's a great reference point because people would, most people know what a Fez is. So it's, it's a link to Morocco straight away, isn't it? Yeah, FAS, uh, FAS is fascinating. FAS is, I always say, it's the starting point. It is the source. Um, I always tell people if they, uh, when they ask me, I'm only going to stay in Morocco for one day. What should I go? What should I see? I always say FAS. Really? Because when you go to FAS, um, you see where everything started. You see the old, you see the new, and you make the connection between them. Um, it's, for me, in, in that regard, FAS is better than Marrakech. Um, when I went to FAS, it really was the biggest surprise for me as a local. I loved it. I still do. It's just, Fas is just incredible city. It's a must in many, many different ways. Uh, yeah. And it's the oldest city in Morocco anyway. So, so that's where everything started for us as Moroccans, Fas. So yeah, Fez is the original, more historic, maybe older yes. buildings, I, I'd imagine. I would, yeah. And then or older culture, Fas. maybe. The culture, for sure. The building, yes, as well. And also, Fez is, in my, it's the soul of Morocco in terms of mm. the music they play in Fez. The way they dress, it's obviously it is different anywhere you go. But Fez is, is very different. So um, Fez is has an amazing culture, incredible people. Um, the the artisan in Morocco, Fez is second to none. You know, Fez is known for its leather. Uh, globally and then um, you know the, the mosaic and you know FAS is just it's it's just amazing city you have to see FAS you have to see FAS it sounds like the Kyoto of Japan so you know, you know Japan's got like all these amazing modern cities Tokyo, Osaka yes the one city that's just the original is Kyoto and it's just that old school it's not too destroyed by modern buildings yeah. and it's got that like old culture yeah. vibe that's a must yeah, yeah. first is is exactly similar to that yeah okay there's another place i do know and it's tangier yes so a bit uh, further north and um, what's yes. that like there tangier is the closest point to europe and spain mm. it's about 11 miles away and to get from one continent to the other i mean you can do it via the ferry and the ferry is the most popular way for a lot of moroccans to cross uh, from Spain, from Europe to Morocco, especially during summertime. And, and again, this is the reason why it's really busy during that time. So Tangier, mm-hmm. it used to be called the international city. This is back in the 40s and the 50s because of the World War II. The Americans, they, they, when they went to Tangier, they, they found out the, the Tangier uh, fruit. You know, it's similar to orange, but it's smaller than orange. Uh, but they could not pronounce the name of it. They, they said Tangier. So when they start getting the you know that fruit into the US, they named it Tangier or, or similar to it. So that's how it got the name 
which is really, really strange. So Tangier, in my opinion, in the last two decades have seen the most progressive uh, development in the country. It is mm. a beautiful city. It, when you go to Tangier, it feels like you, you work somewhat in Europe. Um, it, it feels really nice, very clean, very good city. Um, in some neighborhood, there's there's all different cultures and, and religions. Uh, in one neighborhood, you can see the synagogue next to the church, next to the mosque, and that's 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 who we really are. You know, we're very peaceful. You know, very welcoming people. And in Tangier, and also the north side of Morocco, because of uh, Spanish colonization, uh, they speak Spanish. In the south, uh-huh. they speak French. Um, so we're in the middle of Marrakesh. We we do speak French, but in the north side, they they'll communicate to you either via the local language or Spanish. Tangier also has the only U.S. property outside the United States. It was a building gifted back to the U.S. by the Sultan back in 18th, 19th century. Tangier is definitely must-see. And also it has the, the, the port of Tangier, I believe it's the biggest or second biggest in Africa. So uh-huh. also in Morocco, um, you know, it's the only country in Africa that has Tesla. My next question is, so we've discussed the main hubs, the main cities. Yeah. You must also also get requests from from clients to go to the countryside or the desert, right? So yes. what are the more popular things to do outside of the city? Oh, that's a really good question. In Morocco, you have to split the country into two. You've got to do the north side and the south side. This is, I always recommend a tour that it's eight days, no, no more than eight days. The reason is you do get tired because there's a lot of driving. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at it, the map, it's a small country, but it, you drive quite a bit. So for some people, they want to do 10 days, 12 days. So that's when we do the combination of the north side and then the south side. That includes the Atlas Mountains, Wazazet, Ben Haddu, Tilwat, uh, Merzuga Desert, and so forth. Uh, so that's, uh, yes, you get to see the north side and the south side. And the south side is just as popular as the north. Um, it's, it's amazing culture. You know, all of it is Berber. So you'll get to see, um, you know, a lot of villages, a lot of nomads and, and, and you know, just people, you know, just simple life, really. Uh, nothing luxury about it but you know you can see that people are happy and so you get to like stay in those like desert camps is that possible as yes well? like, oh yes you can sleep over and maybe see a sunrise and oh absolutely like that. that is yeah. that's actually a good question james i'll give you i'll walk you through an experience uh when you get to well the south you go towards is that which is the, the the door to 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 the desert then you go through uh gorge dads and then when you get to merzuga um merzuga you leave your luggage at the hotel or the Riyadh. Mm-hmm. So that's where the driver is going to drop you off. You leave your luggage and then you go in a caravan with the camels to the camp. So the camp is offsite. Okay. So, and it's, nice. it's about, it's about 30 minutes, 45 minutes ride on the camel. Now, if you don't want to do the camel, they can take you, you know, via four by four, or you can do the quad. So a lot of people, they, they want to feel and experience the camel ride. So, and I did that. And it's actually about 45 minutes, but then you make a stop to see the sun set um, and take pictures and stuff. It's, it's, it's really, really magical. There's really no words for it. I mean, the sand changes colors, you know, mm. it's, it's, it's incredible. So it's a must, it must do really. So when you get to the camp, you'll get greeted by Minty. You'll go to your tent, um, you know, depending on how many people are traveling. If it's just, you know, two people, you'll get, you know, it's like a, a king size bed. If it's three people, each get their own bed. If it's four, then, you know, basically uh, those tents, they, they all have different beds in them. So, and then you get served your dinner. And then after dinner, there's a 
you know, a party, a singing party with the locals. So they come, they play some drums and music and, you know, it's, it's fun. It's really fun to experience it. Then the next day at about seven in the morning, you get your breakfast. Then you have an option. If you want to take the four by four vehicle back to the hotel or Riyadh, or you want to do the camel ride. A lot of people, they just, you know, they've done the camel ride last night. They just want to get to, to their hotel as quick as possible. So they take the, the four by four. So now in terms of the camps, there are different types of camps. There are the bare minimum camps and those they just have black tents on them. They look, they just, you know, very simple. There's nothing luxury about them. And then there's luxury camps uh, where you go in, there's a shower, there's hot water, there's AC, there's everything that you can think of. You know, it's, it's really, really luxury. And those are different in different area and neighborhood than the other regular camps. So that's a lot of people don't know, but it's just, uh, you can go to the camp, but you have to know which one you're going to. If it's the, the luxury one, or is it the medium, just premium, or is it just, just the basic? So that's when the confusion is uh, with a lot of clients that they are going, they're thinking they're going to go to something that it's luxury, but it ends up not really being what they have expected. So, yeah. And I guess that's based on price, right? You based pay more price. for luxury. Oh, you definitely do. And normally the price when you pay, it includes dinner and breakfast. Yeah. And the camera ride, uh, the quad some includes it, some they may ask you for extra. Uh, so when you book, just make sure you know what's included and what's not included. Mm-hmm. And also the price, because the price really varies uh, from season to season. Of course, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'll give you an example. You can stay at a really, really nice Riyadh for less than $100 a night per person. And then when it's the busy season, it's 500 bucks, $600. So it's, it really depends on the season. And again, the best way to do it, do it ahead of time. Of course. Don't wait until the last minute. Just do it months ahead and um, you save yourself a lot of money. And this experience you're describing, if you look at Marrakesh, it's just east, right? Just east, southeast of the Marrakesh into the desert. Well, it, it's, the, yeah, it's definitely the south. Yeah, the southeast, yes. The southeast, so south. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. yes. Got it. That's awesome. Yeah, I think I've seen a lot of pictures of people do on the cameras, right? And they're going through the desert. That's what you... That's what a lot of people would experience or want to experience yeah. in Morocco, I think. Yeah. I mean, the desert camp, it's, it's a complete experience on its own. You have to, if, if you have an opportunity to go to the desert, I would absolutely say take advantage of it and go. Because a lot of people, what I've noticed is they go to the north versus the south. The south, I would not recommend during summer times, obviously, mm. but there are alternatives you know, like Agafai, the one that we talked about earlier, it's just about an hour drive from Marrakesh. You can still have a really amazing experience. Um, and it's, you know, you don't have to drive far. And it's right next to your hotel or Riyadh. Or also you can stay at night at the camp as well. So mm-hmm. um, that's that's something that we recommend during the summertime. Instead of going to Merzouga and, you know, hours and hours of driving and the heat and everything, do the Agafai experience. You can do a day, you can do two and you're still good. You have the camera, you can do the quad, you can do live music. You you can customize it to however you like. Nice. I would definitely do the live music. I, I want to get involved and play some drums yes. and stuff. That'd be pretty oh my cool. Gosh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I've done camels before, actually. I've ridden a few camels. And yeah. one thing I'd say is, if you're not very flexible like me, after a while, it can start to ache pretty badly. <laughs> I completely agree. You and me are the same. <laughs> And I end up walking beside the camel, like just walking with them in the desert, which is equally as good, right? Um, yes. But I, my experience was after a while, my legs were starting to, 
yeah, get numb. Oh, and, definitely, yes. And I, I totally agree, yeah. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> but something you've got to do, you've got to take it yes. off. Yes. Okay, I've got some quick questions about Morocco. So food and drink, mm-hmm. what's the some of the main dishes for Moroccans? Uh, for, it's a lot of people know of Morocco for couscous and tagine. Those are yes. the two most, if, if you're from Marrakesh, then, you know, you can add tanjia, which is a very special dish that it's connected with Marrakesh than any other city. And you can, you know, it's, it, it's an amazing dish. It's very flavorful. You can have it with goat, beef, you know, lamb, chicken. So it's really, What's that really called? good. Tanjia. Oh, tanjia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, tanjia. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What about vegetarians? Is there a lot of vegetarian food? Yes. You, yeah. Couscous, a lot of people make it with vest- vegetables. There's, okay. It's called the, the seven vegetables, which is the main ingredient of couscous. Mm-hmm. And then you can add either, you know, fish, uh, not fish really, but chicken, beef, uh, or any type of meat to it. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of vegetable um, dishes and meals in the Moroccan cuisine as well. Okay. And what's your favorite cuisine or dish? Uh, oh, I love... My favorite, I would definitely say roasted chicken with olives and preserved lemon. That's oh, wow. definitely my, yeah, that's definitely my favorite. Yes. Yeah. Would you always have couscous alongside? Is that always it's, a thing? It's, it, normally the couscous dish, it's a, it's a special dish that we all make on Friday. Friday in our oh, okay. calendar, the Muslim calendar is yeah. a holiday. Yeah. So it's a special celebration for Friday, and that's when we make couscous throughout the country. Now you can make it any any day, but it's just Friday is what it's meant for to be eaten on a Friday. And also, there's different types of couscous from Marrakesh to Fas to Casablanca to Rabat. Everybody makes it different with their own, you know, twist and intake on it. So it's um, yeah. Oh wow! I have to try each one, each city. <laughs> <laughs> and drink wise. Are you a coffee or a tea country or anything else? Personally, I love coffee. Yeah. Um, I, I do. Personally, that's, that's what I do. But I think um, tea is more popular with the tourists. And when we have guests, that's how we welcome them. Mm. But amongst us, between us, locals and Moroccans, it's definitely the coffee. I would say 80%, the tea 20%. Got it. And is it a dry country for alcohol? I mean, there's alcohol everywhere you go. Um, but, okay. Uh, yeah, you can get it. You, there's places for it to buy it. Yeah. Um, you know, and also when you go clubbing, uh, it's it's available inside the clubs. But there's other scams about alcohol too as well. So oh, be God. careful. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. There's trust me. <laughs> Moroccan people are amazing people when it comes to scams, and it's just it, it, it comes with the territory. So yeah, you don't yeah. have a choice. Okay. So, yeah. I need to listen to that episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, alcohol. Um, is that a scam? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've got here currency. It's a closed currency, right, in Morocco? Yes. Um, the, the, the Moroccan currency is called dirham. Nowadays, you can pay with the dirham. You can pay with the euros. You can pay with uh, the US dollar, oh, especially wow. okay. when you go shopping at a bazaar, uh, you know, at the square and equivalent to it in different cities. Um, and also, it's be careful because sometimes they'll tell you, if you say, hey, I want to buy this, you know, this gift or whatever, it could be anything. They'll say it's 50, but they don't specify to you <laughs> 50 what? 50 euros, 50 dollars, 50 dirhams. So you have to be specific. And they do it on purpose. So if yeah. you pay them $50, and it's like, okay, perfect. 
you just paid 50 bucks for something that it's worth a dollar and a half. <laughs> They're not going to complain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but nowadays, the, uh, the, the US dollar, it's really, really strong comparing to the Moroccan currency. Um, I have not seen it really this strong, I would say, in probably two decades. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's a really good time now to go to Morocco because you can get really to stretch your dollar. Yeah. In terms of the euro, it, the euro has declined a little bit but it's still a good value mm -hmm. against the Moroccan currency, the dirham. Yeah. Okay. And um, my next question was in terms of the country as a whole, it's quite, it must be quite cheap for a Westerner to travel, right? In terms well, of day to day. Day to day, I would say it's cheap and it's expensive. Morocco is one of those countries or one of those places. If you want to go, you have to know somebody and knowing that somebody can save you, from hundred dollars to thousands of dollars. Oh wow! Uh, that's okay. just that's just the way it is. That's just how yeah. the system is in Morocco. Even when I go by myself, if I want to go places, I always take somebody with me. You know, um, for many reasons. Moroccans are intelligent people. They're very smart. Um, I go to a store and they look at me and it's like, "Hey, you know." They greet me. I greet them back. They say, "You're from the U.S." And I look at them puzzled. It's like, "How do you know?" Oh, you're nice. And then oh. some, it's like, you know, uh, and say, what do you mean you're nice? It's like, you know, you're not like the the, the, the Moroccans from the Europe. So they're kind of rude, you know, oh. my, my, my respect to everybody. <laughs> um, it's just the culture for us in the U.S. is different. So, you know, we, we're, we're accustomed to saying, yes, please, thank you, and so forth. In Europe, maybe not, or maybe mm. the, 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 because they're the second, third generation. We are the first generation in the U.S. So it's it's different mentality, different culture, and so forth. So that's why the, the locals, the Morocco locals uh, at any shop, uh, the minimum language they speak is five, six, seven. So don't be surprised. And they'll get you no matter what. They'll speak to you and try to get you to their shop one way or another. Yeah. So um, it's still an amazing destination, um, uh, you know, with everything, with all the scams and everything, the good and the bad. I still love it. I still can't wait to go. And I still recommend it to everybody every day. Okay, that's awesome. And the key thing is to know someone, right? Yes, you have to, yes. I do kind of feel like Moroccans are a nation of people that someone knows a Moroccan somewhere. Like yeah. we know a Moroccan here in Vancouver, yes. right? So, well, my partner does. One of her friends at work is Moroccan. And she's like, if you ever go to Morocco, I think she's from Marrakesh. Ah. Tell me, tell me, and I will sort you out. So it's like, okay. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and, and, and I totally agree because... Even if you want to go eat some food, if you know somebody, your food will taste better because you know that somebody. Yeah. Um, you're not going to pay $10, you know, when you eat that dish, you're going to pay, you know, maybe five bucks, maybe less. So that's just how the system is. You know, uh, if you want to go shop for anything, it's more expensive when you go by yourself. Mm -hmm. But when you say, hey, you know, you know, James sent me. Oh, James. Okay. Okay. What, what do you need? What are you looking for? Oh, I want to buy this bottle. Okay. That bottle is $1.50. And somebody else you know, comes in 30 seconds later, ask for the same bottle or oh, that bottle is $10. You see, it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's, um, I think some people would find that stressful. I'd find it a challenge. So it depends what type of traveler you are. I yes. Think. Oh, totally. I absolutely agree, James. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. My first week in Bangkok was like that, getting scammed yeah. almost daily. Oh, wow. You, so, you sort of learn how to, what to ignore. Yes. What to say and where yeah. to go. And you do get used to it after a while. Yeah. 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 But I totally understand that people don't have a infinite amount of time, right? They, they go for yeah. eight days and they just need to get things done normally in eight days. Yeah. Right. Because if you yes. stay there for a month, you can maybe it, be a bit more relaxed and 
Take, take yes, because, well, you're just planning. I'll give you an example. You you can stay in a month, but first you have to you have to find a place to stay for a month. I wouldn't say a hotel or a yard. Those are not your best places to stay. You want to rent an apartment, a small apartment yeah. where you can go shopping. You know, grocery shopping makes it the biggest difference in terms of cost. You may want to cook at home. You know, maybe not all the time, but just a few times. Then, um, then everything becomes less expensive for you. And again, you always have to connect with somebody in Morocco. And this is, it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just again, that's how the system is. I swear to you, um, I grew up with my friends. I know them for all my life. And I still reach out to them and say, hey, um, I want to buy, for example, uh, a leather jacket. Oh, go, go, go to this guy, you know, go to mm-hmm. Sam, go to this, you know. And then I go and say, hey, you know, uh, my friend Aziz sent me. And they'll take good care of you. That's it. That's yeah. just how it is. That's how That's awesome. the yeah. system, you know, in Morocco. And it's not going to change anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So, and I'd rather do that than pay, you know, a, a lot more money for it than, you know, so. That's a good little stint about Morocco. I'm excited to check the country out. So thanks Thank for you. sharing your experiences of Morocco. Oh, absolutely. And going to quickly ask, just some personal travels. Have you traveled to anywhere else that's obviously not US and Morocco? Have you um, done any more travels? That's a really good question. It's funny because uh, all the travel that I do really is related to business. I mean, okay. I've traveled extensively in the US pre-COVID because of conventions conferences and stuff like that now with yeah. the podcast i just came back from dallas i attended the uh the podcast movement oh you went there uh, which, okay yeah it nice. was just incredible experience for me it was my first time yeah. um, it was amazing so and i'm planning to do a lot of travel so and when i travel i normally go with my wife and and, and imran as well so we do with the three of us unless it's it's not feasible or because of school or something then i just go by myself yeah okay and what do you have planned for the future for travel? What's on your list or, or itineraries coming up? Well, definitely Cancun, Mexico. Okay. Uh, I definitely want to go to India. Um, yeah. You know, I want to go to Asia for sure. Uh, and also my son, Emran, he likes to plan things. And, um, and you know, Cancun was his decisions like, hey, I want to go to Cancun and said, okay. Mm-hmm. So I um, also want to go back to Morocco. So travel yeah. is very important. And, and for him as a kid, I want him to travel quite a bit because... Uh, he sees different parts of the world and he gets exposed to those, you know, uh, diverse places, di- diverse cultures, diverse religions. So mm. he becomes a lot more open-minded and 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 it just, it makes him, in my opinion, smart. Yeah, I think that's probably sums up travel pretty well. Yeah. It increases your knowledge, your, your wisdom. Absolutely. And there can't be, I'm sure there's other things that would help, but travel has to be up there with one of the best things to do. Definitely, yeah. Okay, just to loop back round to Destination Morocco, so we can find you at destinationmoroccopodcast.com. That's correct, James, yes. yes. And through there, we can access podcast episodes and obviously about you and, and the business, but also some of your tours and information about Morocco. Yes, we have a tour. Uh, you can see uh, there's a tour that we have, uh, and that's how we build them. You, uh, you can look at it and see it as an example of your own tour. That's exactly how it's going to look with, in terms of the content, in terms of the videos, in terms of the images we pick, in terms of the venues, the riyads or hotels. So it gives you, it gives you um, a clear understanding um, why the itinerary takes us, the length of time that it does to take us to build it, and also the attention to details and, and the communication uh, part of it as well. So it's, uh, yeah, if take a look at it, uh, you're gonna see that it's the way that we do it. It's it's very different than 
anybody else. So, uh, and also if you want to contact us, there's, you can reach out to us. There's a, a microphone in the bottom right of the screen. You can record us a message and we get it as huh. an email and we can respond back or, you know, through the contact us, you can reach out to me or anybody in the team uh, and we'd love to help in any way that we can. So, and in the show notes, I'll put links to your website and podcasts and anything, uh, social media as well, if you've got some of that. So I will make sure that people can access them easily in this episode. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that, James. <laughs> no worries. So as we're going to do a few features to finish the episode. I'm going to fire some travel questions at you. I might do a Morocco-based um, and personal-based. We'll see how we go. I kind of make these okay. up um, as I go along. Hey, yeah. Just a quick one before we carry on with the travel questions. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with TeePublic, where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as t-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for traveling, podcast, and other stuff. Thank you. It's travel question time. Uh, you mentioned earlier some places that you want to travel to. So I'm going to ask, first of all, if you had to pick three countries that you want to visit next that you've not been to, what three countries are those? I would pick, not in particular order, but definitely India, China, and I'll pick Japan. And I'll tell you the reason why India. India has played the major role in all of us as Moroccans growing, especially in the Bollywood and the, the, uh, uh, the way that it affects us. So as kids, when we go to cinema in Morocco, mm. we always watch, it's an Indian movie and the Chinese movie. So two things happen to all of us as kids in Morocco. At 6 p.m., when the movies are finished, we come out singing and we can play karate. And that's, that's uh, you know, that's the reason. I definitely am very fascinated with the Indian history, the culture. And also, I have a lot of Indian friends uh, throughout India, you know. Uh, so uh, China, I would say definitely the culture as well, uh, for sure. Then the Japanese, again, the culture, because the Japanese uh, people are extremely fascinated Fascinating to me because mm -hmm. I, I worked with them. I was involved in the sister city with Houston and Shiba in Japan. Mm. And their culture is just, it's, it's just incredible. I mean, amazing, amazing culture. So, um, yeah, those are the definitely top three that I would love to see. Yes. Okay. And of all your previous travels, so this can be US, this can be Morocco, this can be anywhere else. What's three favorite places that you have been to? Three favorites, I would say the Netherlands, definitely one of my favorites, because of the people. The, the people are amazing, incredible, uh, very hospitable, very friendly, and they speak, you know, a lot of languages. So <laughs> then I would say France, I, I went to see my brother in France. And again, uh, my visit to France, it felt like I was visiting Morocco, but, you know, just ahead of time, you know, just like time travel, because it looked <laughs> the same, <laughs> because of the the... The way that Morocco, the, the buildings, the structure, the infrastructure, it's built by the French. So there's a little bit of similarity, especially, uh, like you said earlier, when you go to Casablanca, Arabat, and so forth. Yeah, definitely. And then the third one, well, I went to Mexico mm -hmm. back in, in 2000. Mexico was definitely fun for me. 
Um, I went to, uh, it's a village outside Guadalajara, Jalisco, and I loved it. Um, I was there, I believe, for four days. It reminded me of my village in the mountains. The people were so welcoming, so hospitable, um, and it was sad for me to leave. I mean, oh, wow. the kids started crying, the people started crying. I was like, oh, oh, wow. I've never felt that way. Nobody has ever you know, made me feel that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, visiting them, we... I mean, the connection was just incredible. I mean, I didn't speak wow. Spanish, but, you know, still, it was just the experience was just very raw. It's, it was amazing. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Next question. Three things in Morocco or places to see. So three, three things to do or places to see that they must do in Morocco. Um, I would say one of them, uh, when people go to Morocco, they see a lot of luxury. They see a lot of good places. They see a lot of nice hotels and stuff. But for me, that's not real Morocco. Real Morocco is the mountains. Real Morocco is the Berbers. Real Morocco is you go where there's no pavement. Uh, that's when you really are traveling. You know, mm. you're a traveler when you do that. When you go to the other side, and I'll, you're a tourist most of the time. But when you go to the villages in the Atlas Mountains, and there's hidden villages everywhere you go, um, super hospitable people from all those villages, um, people that will welcome you with zero dollars, with, you know, with no money. They just want you to have fun. They want to, you know, be, they want you to be their host. And, and in our culture, if you go somewhere and say, Hey, I want to be your host. You can stay with that family for three days for free. You don't pay anything. So th there's still some culture in Morocco that it's, uh, very old and very nice. And, uh, and the tourists are not really exposed to it. And for me, that's that the real culture is for the Berbers, ancestors, the Jewish culture, the Jewish heritage. It's all there uh, for you to see. But you're not going to see it unless somebody takes you. You go with somebody and you visit those villages. You do those homestays and you mm -hmm. experience, uh, you know, the, the, the local experience, the local food. It's different than the city because the ingredients are different. The vegetables are different because again, everything is organic and so forth. Yeah. So that's uh, definitely one thing in Morocco. I would say once there are a few cities that because the, the media does not pay attention to them, therefore they're not popular. But in the contrary, there's a lot of um, popular cities amongst the locals um, that the tourists don't even get to see unless mm -hmm. Uh, they've been there with somebody, they've been there by themselves and they came back and so forth. So uh, one of those cities for me, both of them are coastal, it's uh, Mirlift and then the other one is Dakhla. Dakhla is, they host a lot of international events, especially when it comes to desert beach, uh, when it comes to, um, you know, surfing, kayaking and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not really overpopulated. It's uh, amazing uh, cities to go and visit. Uh, the beaches, they don't even feel like you're in Morocco. So they'll probably be, you know, the two biggest surprises for you in terms of beaches in Morocco. We have nice beaches throughout the coast, you know, the Atlantic Ocean and also the Mediterranean, but the south side where the Sahara is, it's incredible. It's still unexplored by, I would say, 95% of oh, wow. the tourists or the people that travel to Morocco. Yeah. Mm. That's great. Love that recommendation. That's awesome. Thank you. Okay. If you could pick one city in the world anywhere to sit and have a coffee and watch the world go by where would you sit oh man that's a tough question james i <laughs> i love marrakesh you know it's just something i swear to you it is weird and i'm glad 
it's not just weird for me, but everybody that I talk to, they feel the same way. It's Marrakesh for me is is home. Marrakesh for me is friends, is family, is where everything started for me. So I remember when we used to travel into the mountains as kids. Um, and then when we come back to the city, you know, sometimes I'll be sitting in the car, sometimes in the back of a truck, you know, and just looking at the the, the, the sky, the smell. Um, it smells like Marrakesh. The light looks like it's we're close to Marrakesh. Everything is just, I'm so connected to it. It's just, it's really strange. So yeah, that's for me, it's, it's absolutely Marrakesh. Yeah. Nice. And in terms of coffee, I don't know if you drink too much of it, but you know, which country does the best coffee, do you think? You know, I could absolutely be wrong, but um, I had the best coffee for me in Spain. Oh, My okay. best coffee was yeah. in Spain. I had yeah. it in Spain. Um, in terms of Morocco, you know, earlier I said the local, but then if you go to the north side of Morocco, I've been to Martil, I've been to Tituan, they make so much better coffee uh, <laughs> than, the, honestly, they do. Because because they're close to Spain and they have access to better coffee, better ground and stuff like that. And also in terms of the quantity uh, in Marrakesh, they give you, it's probably two ounces, three ounces. But when you go up north, it's, you know, eight ounces. And it's like, whoa, I'm going to be up for the next three days. (laughs) Yeah. I'll tell you what, yeah, yeah, I agree. Spain's coffee this year was brilliant in Galicia. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Next question is going to be, what has been the best landmark that you've seen? This can be nature or man-made. I went to Vegas and I saw the Hoover Dam. This is oh, when yeah. I first started to travel. Definitely the Hoover Dam for me because, again, you know, it's, it's, it's just massive. It's, yeah, huge. Then you look at the history. It's, yeah, the Hoover Dam for me, I, I can't wait to, to, to go to the canyons and, you know, Arizona, Utah especially. But for me, the Hoover Dam, it was just a incredible experience. Yeah. And if you had to pick three states in the US that are your favorites, what are those? I would say Arizona. It's going to sound weird because of you know the weather. I've been to Phoenix. I've been to Tucson. I've been to other places in Arizona. And I love it, especially Phoenix. Um, weather-wise, it's just like copy-paste of Marrakesh. Mm-hmm. And even when I visited back in the, it was 97, uh, in certain areas where I drive, it looks like I'm driving in Marrakesh. It feels like I'm driving. It's just really strange uh, in a good way. So definitely Arizona. If you take out the cost of living, California for sure. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, then I want to do something in the Midwest. I would say I'm not a big fan of the weather, the cold especially, but I want to do something like Wyoming, you know, just the mm. countryside. Uh, I love the countryside. So definitely, yeah. yeah. Okay, I've got a few more to finish. What about a a favorite cuisine that's not Moroccan? And I might Uh, have to, I might have to rule out US because you live there. So not those two, but another country's cuisine that's your favorite. Okay, if it's not, it's it has to be Mexican. Of course, I I I love Mexican food. It's it's uh, it's it's not even funny. Yeah, it's (laughs) unbelievable. (laughs) You're so right. Yeah, it's it's definitely my top three, and never Uh, it's never a bad idea Mexican food. It's never Absolutely. a bad idea. Yeah. Okay. I hear you on that one. Okay. Let's do, if you could pick another country to live in for a year, they've not lived you, in before. So Morocco, US is ruled out. Where would you live? It, number one, the only place it is New Zealand. I love New Zealand. Oh, uh, what a place. I love New Zealand. I yeah. love New Zealand. Yes. Yes. And you visited before? The, 
No, um, no, I had some clients from New Zealand. Yeah. And even before that, um, I dealt with a lot of companies from New Zealand. Mm. Um, amazing, amazing people. Then, you know, um, I get to watch, you know, TV or, you know, travel series and New Zealand is just incredible. Yeah, definitely yeah. New Zealand. Yes. If you need some tips, I can give you some tips. I used to live oh. there for a year. So oh my God. Oh. Yeah, I can give you some nice spots to oh, go wow. and see. I said to people in New Zealand, it's like Canada in terms of nature, right? Mm-hmm. But no one's there. It's, still, oh, it's wow. got no one there. It's like, a, like four and a half million people. But oh, wow. three quarters of those are in the North Island, right? So if you went to the South Island, where, in my opinion, the nature's better, more mountains, more lakes, yes. there's no one there. Oh, wow. It's just, oh, wow. yeah, it's unrivaled, I think. It's always rated in the top two or three in the world, right? Yes, yes. Oh, I love New Zealand, yeah. Yeah. You gotta go. You just gotta save some money because it's quite expensive. But oh, for sure, yeah, yeah, worth it. Okay. Number question is: Which country have you travelled to that you think has got the best value for money, or for the dollar? I would say Mexico. I mean, um, yeah, but but I was in a village, so you know, I got to experience the local culture. You know, mm. they make the fruit, they make they put the spices, some you know, hot, you know, some Tabasco sauce. They eat. They eat hot sauce with everything. It was just incredible for me. And that stuff cost, you know, a few pesos, not, you know, a few mm. bucks, not even. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely Mexico for me was. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Last question. I'm going to tailor it a little bit to Morocco here. So if someone's listening right now and is still unsure of why they should go visit Morocco, why should they go? If they're from Houston, they definitely need to stop by my house, get them some really <laughs> good Moroccan food. Yeah, that's that. <laughs> yeah, my wife is incredible. Yeah, she's she's an amazing, amazing cook. She's she's incredible. I would say before they go, they need to expand their paradigm. They need to expect the unexpected. Uh, some things they're gonna like, some things they're not gonna like. Some things they're gonna make them laugh, they're gonna make them cry. But at the end of the day, they're gonna come back with a lifetime of memories. And again, those memories you. They, they become alive once you look at those pictures, when you look at those videos, especially when they are a year old, two years old, three years old. So they become more valuable, in my opinion. So uh, Morocco, it's supposed to be quiet, supposed to be slow now, but it's not. It's still busy. Everybody's traveling. And the funny thing, because of the, the normalization with, the, with, with Israel a few months ago, um, it is expected to have 200,000 Moroccan Jews or Jewish from Israel visiting Morocco, and a lot of them they are doing weddings. Uh, the Jewish weddings and Moroccan weddings they're very similar. Uh, again, mm-hmm. our culture was a Jewish culture before, so everything you see in Morocco originally was Jewish um, before you know the, with the Berbers than 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 everybody else. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's just amazing. Uh, uh, just go and visit; you're gonna love it. When you go back, it's uh, again the memories are gonna be incredible. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Thanks, Azdin, for coming on to the podcast. It's been an absolutely Absolutely. amazing chat. I've learned so much about Morocco. It's a place I want to visit and I can't wait to visit. And thank you so much for making time to come on. Thank you so much, James. I'm I'm very grateful, extremely appreciative for this opportunity to be on your podcast. And I'm very, very grateful. And thank you for having me. Anytime. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to my Winging It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram, at James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel Podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode as well as photos from the last eight to ten years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. 
also check out my website jameshammond.org there's content about myself my travels and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form finally please rate and review the podcast on podchaser this is my platform of choice alternatively you can rate this on apple or wherever you get your podcasts from this really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content and i'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there reviewing it and enjoying the content so far stay safe stay humble keep listening keep traveling and i'll catch you soon cheers james